all that you've done for us and all you're doing through us, God. We just ask that you be with us today as we go to studying your word and we go to looking at your scriptures, God, and you would just open them up to us in such a way that our uh, that our hearts would be changed by you and that we would be just molded into what you'd have us to be. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so last week we talked about Romans 1, right? And we talked about basically... Huh? No, if well, yeah, that's true. That's true. But we talked about the 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 godless pagans mostly. You know, they're out there with their idols and all that kind of stuff, and God turned them over to wrath. Well, this week in chapter two, uh, he's going to turn he's going to turn a corner, and I kind of need to set it up for you because some of y'all may not you know uh, understand the context from where Paul's coming from when we read this text. But uh, in his day. Jewish people were, they were God's chosen people. See what I mean? Like for throughout the Old Testament, if you read the Old Testament, the story is about this people, Israel, that God chose to be his people. And then he brought them through different trials and, and wars and always, always blessed them, always, you know. And by the time we get to Paul's day... They were pretty much the religious crowd. They were pretty much, you know, well, we're, we are the Jews and we are God's people and he loves us and it doesn't matter. And they were really religious. And so what Paul did in chapter one was he, he basically condemned the whole world, the people, you know, that worship idols. And we talked about the idols made of wood and all that kind of stuff and how we make idols. In chapter two, he's going to talk about all the religious folks. And what he's going to do is basically tell them, hey, all y'all, all y'all are lost too, you know. And what he's doing is he's building his case to bring us to the gospel. So how it applies to us is because, you know, hey, we're all here. We're sitting, we're sitting in church. So that makes us all religious, you know, whether you think it's a good thing to be religious or a bad thing. That's what we are. I'm religious. You're religious. We're all, I mean, we're here. We're religious. So he's going to turn the corner. And if we read, um, if we read uh, verse 1 in chapter 2, I'm going to read just the first five verses and then we'll stop. Now remember the last thing he said in chapter 1 was these guys are without excuse. God has turned them over to the, what the, to the sin that they wanted. You know, they wanted to go after sin rather than go after God and God turned them over. And so it says... So it says, therefore, thou art inexcusable, O man, if you've got a Bible, it's chapter 2 of Romans. Therefore, thou art inexcusable, O man, whoever, whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemn thyself, for thou that judgest doest the same things. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them. Let, we'll stop right there. Let's just do verse 1 first. Let's take it, take it one verse at a time because it's, it's real complicated language in here. I don't know if some of y'all read it and y'all thought, well, what's he talking about? But what he's doing is he's saying, if you were a, if you were a religious Jewish person and you read chapter 1, you would be like... Amen, Paul. That is exactly right. You go get them. You tell them how it is. That's exactly what they need to know. And uh, we agree with you. And now here in chapter 2, Paul turned the corner and he's saying, but but you too. We're going to get on you too. It reminds me of a sermon I heard a preacher 
he was saying something and it the, I was listening to it so it sounded like it was just thousands of people I don't know where it was but he's like the church is so awful and he was just going on and on and on about how the church looks like the world and it's just all bad and there's nobody that is you know just over and over and over again and all these people started clapping and it was like this big huge applause and when it all died down he said I don't know why y'all are clapping I'm talking about you you know and so they never invited him back I'm sure but this is what Paul is doing he's saying look when you you are the ones who go around you are the ones who have God's law you are the one who's who know what God's standard is and you are telling all these pagan folks that what they're doing is wrong and they need to be following God they need to be keeping his law but yet you're doing the same things that they do notice that he doesn't condemn them for judging he condemns them for judging and then doing the same things that the other people are doing. It says, it says you're without excuse. It says, therefore, you are inexcusable, whoever you are that judge, because where you judge another, you're, ju- you're condemning yourself, because thou that judge do the same things. Now, remember what we talked about? We talked about idolatry. We talked about sexual sin. We talked about sinning with your thoughts. We talked about... You know, all those things we talked about in the in the first chapter, um, the these folks would be walking around going, well, I don't do none of that. I'm I'm not near as bad as all those other people that he's talking about. I'm not near as bad as 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 all those pagans out there that are just doing all this stuff. Do y'all do we ever feel that way sometimes? Like, well, I'm not near as bad as well, Sue down the road, she don't even go to church. So I, I know I'm better than her. I know I'm, I know I'm doing better than her. And so Paul is condemning, Paul's condemning them too. He says, but we are sure that ju- the judgment of God is according to truth, which means reality. Like God is going to judge based on what really is, not what we intend. Does that make sense? See what I mean? Like he says... I used to know this guy, and he would go, I mean, really, his, you know, we all have problems, like my problem is, you know, anger, or your problem is whatever. He said his problem was, like, being faithful to his wife. That's his problem. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought, too. He's like, I'm like, well, what do you do? You, like, go out to the mailbox and just slip it and fall into, fall into, never mind. But, <clears throat> anyway... He said, that's my, that's my problem. But he would always say, I was, he would say, but God knows my heart, you know? And he would tack that onto the end of everything. And, and he just was able to convince himself that, you know, even though, and I'm not talking about, oh, I messed up. I made a mistake. I'm talking about where am I going to go Friday? You know what I mean? Like, I'm, that's what I'm talking about. But he was like, well, God just knows that's, that's kind of the way I am, you know, and that's just, he knows my heart and he knows how. And so he had convinced himself that his sin just wasn't as bad as everybody else's sin because 
God knows my heart. And when I said that, when I said that, all of y'all, I could tell by your face, especially the women, y'all were like, oh, I will, he would be burning in his bed or whatever, you know. But that's it, you know, we have a tendency to, to lie, to gossip, to do, and to say, well, at least I'm not as bad as the guy that's cheating on his wife. You know what I mean? So we all have that tendency within us. But what, they, what Paul is trying to get across here is God. And remember, he's given us bad news. He, we haven't got to the gospel yet. We haven't got to Jesus as the Savior of the world yet. We haven't got to the way of escape from condemnation yet. We haven't got there yet. He's given us all bad news. He's saying, he's building a case to say, you're all in desperate danger. And then in chapter 3, next week, halfway through, he's going to say, and here's the way out, is Christ. But right now, he's saying, if you want to be in relationship with God without Christ, you know, we hadn't brought Christ into the picture yet, what you're going to have to be is perfect. You're going to have to be perfect. It says, it says verse 2 says, but we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth. Against them which commit such things. And he said, And thinkest thou this old man that judgest them and do the same things, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God. He says, It doesn't matter what you think, what you feel, what you're... If you're doing the same things that they're doing, God is going to judge you by what you're doing. Remember, we, haven't, we aren't talking about Christ yet. Paul is wanting everyone in the world to feel the weight of condemnation and judgment. Okay, He's wanting everyone to realize that I am bad. I am bad all over. I'm bad on the inside. I'm bad on the outside. Um, we talked in chapter 1, They talk, we talked about all those sins. But in the rea- reality, Jesus said, if you look at another person with lust, then you've committed adultery. If you hate someone in your heart, then you've committed murder in your heart. So we, most of us can't even say... Well, at least I ain't ever killed nobody because 1 John tells us that if you've hated someone, then you've committed murder in your heart, so God will see you as a murderer. And this is all bad news. Did anybody read this chapter? And I mean, I know you read the chapter, but when you read the chapter, did you feel like, I mean, like really uneasy? Like, oh no. Like, kind of, it kind of even scary. It's scary that, that you know, it, it says, it says, um, let me skip down to... Huh? Yeah. And it's supposed to be hopeless. See, when you get... Because this is... If, if we just took this chapter out of the book of Romans, and that would be all that you had, it would be hopeless. Everything would be hopeless. There'd be no hope. There'd be no reason. I mean, it'd be like, there's no way out. I'm condemned, and there's nothing I can do about it. Of course, that's what he wants. He wants to bring condemnation. He wants to bring judgment. He wants you to feel the weight of your sin and God's condemnation on you. And when you get to the point where it's just hopeless and there's no way out, then he's going to introduce you to the cross and to Christ and say, here is the way of escape. Jesus paid for this for you. But right now... He's in the midst. He's saying, verse 5 says, But after your hardness and impenitent heart treasureth up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath. He's saying, the things you're doing are are storing up wrath for you. And then verse 6, 6, 7, I probably just need to read 6 through 11. 
It says, God, who will render to every man according to his deeds. Now, a lot of people take that verse and say, Romans 2, 6, God will render every man according to his deeds. And they will use that verse to show you that you can lose your salvation or that you have to do something to maintain your salvation. Is that what Paul's saying here? Why? Because he's not introduced to Christ. Right. He's not introduced introduced Christ to us, to the Romans yet. He's not showed us the way of salvation. He's showing us the way of damnation, of condemnation. And it is true. I thought about preaching a sermon one time. But I thought they would hang me as a heretic before I even got through the, through the first line. But I thought about preaching a sermon about there being two ways to heaven. There's two ways to get to heaven. Of course, there really isn't two ways. But there's one way. Be absolutely perfect from the day that you're born to the day that you die. And you can go to heaven. I mean, absolutely sinless perfection. No sin whatsoever. Never threw you sweet peas in the floor and told mama no. I mean, perfect. You can't start from right now and go. You got to go from birth. From birth all the way to death. Perfect. You can go to heaven. And if that's not an option for you, then the only way you, the only way you can go is Christ. That he died on the cross for you and paid for your sin. So that's what Paul is doing here. He hadn't introduced Christ, so he's saying, look, if you want, if you want to say that I'm going to heaven and you want to say that I'm, a, I'm God's people and all that kind of stuff, then, I mean, you know the law. The law is God's going to judge you according to your works. And he says, God who will render to every man, I'm in verse 6, who will render to every man according to his deeds. He says, to them by patient continuance in well-doing and doing good things, Those that seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give them eternal life. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath is what they'll get. Tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that does evil. Of the Jew first and to the Gentile, but glory and honor and peace to every man that does or works, worketh good to the Jew first, first, also the Gentile. And then verse 11 says, for there is no respect of persons with God. There's no partiality. So when it says, Jason, it says that uh, to every man that worketh for the good, you know, we use good as well. I'm a good person. But does Paul mean here for every man that's perfect? Uh, yes. It says with, if you'll go back and look, it says to them, to them with, by patient continuance. That means on and on and on and on and on. I could say instead of patience, I could say endurance. It's, all, it's goodness, goodness. It's all good. Good, 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 good. good, good. You know, I hope nobody concentrates that with good. You know, in, instead of what Paul means here by this being perfection. Right. Well, the perfection aspect of it comes when he starts enumerating the bad things. It's like, so it's like the tribulation and anguish to the one that does evil. So have you ever done evil? Well, bang, tribulation and anguish. You see what I mean? You know, so uh, the one that works good will get eternal life. The one who does bad will go to hell. Simple as that. Now, I don't know about y'all, but that's scary to me. And it's supposed to be scary. It's supposed to, Paul is writing them to give them the gospel. But before you give, I mean, if I was to, if I was to pull up and say, you know, John, I got, uh, 
I got that whole I got that whole speeding thing took care of. I paid your deal. It's all good. John would say, I don't know what you're talking about. I ain't got nothing. I ain't got nothing. You got the wrong dude, you know. If he doesn't know that there's a fine against him, he's really not going to care that I, I paid his fine. He's like, oh, you got the wrong guy. And when you come up to a person who doesn't realize they're under the wrath of God, and you say, you say, well, Jesus died for you, they'll say, Pfft. Okay, you know, Jesus died me, so what, you know? But when you realize, if, if I say, now, John, look, here, the reality is, when you was coming, you was going 80 mile an hour through a school zone, and you almost sideswiped a bus and killed ki- kids, and the uh, fine was $20,000, and they were coming to get you and serve a warrant on you, but I went and paid your fine, then he would understand. He'd be like, well, thank you. <laughs> you know, thank you very much, because I didn't even realize there was... So what Paul's doing here is he's, he's throwing everybody on the planet, both Jew, both Gentile, religious man, pagan man, the guy who just wants to run off and live in sin, also the guy who thinks he's religious and good and thinks he can do whatever he wants to do. Um, he's throwing all of these people under the just judgment and wrath of God, and he wants you to feel the weight of sin and wrath as it bears down on you. So if you read these things and you and you thought, I had a couple of people that are, that are not in this class, but read the things that I sent out this week, and they called and they were like, you know, now I'm scared. I'm, uh, you know, what do I, you know, what do I do? I don't, does that mean God's gonna, if I sin, God's gonna, you know, and I had to explain to them that the point here that Paul is making is without Christ, without Jesus and what he's done for us, the standard is absolute perfection. So if you if you you will get eternal life only if your life is perfectly good with no evil. You will get damnation in hell if there's any stain, any sin upon your life without Christ. Now, that places everybody on the planet under condemnation. You know, everybody. So then in the next chapter, Paul is going to introduce, but now the righteousness of God has appeared in Christ that we could be free. You know, and so he's going to introduce us to the gospel. But right now, he's still giving us the bad news. Any questions, comments? Okay. Um, Judgment is going to be on your actions without Christ. If you want to live without Christ and you want to just take your chances, roll the dice about how good of a person you are, he's not going to judge you based on what you wanted to do, what you intended to do, what you thought you should have done. He's not going to judge you based on agreeing with his word. And a lot of times people say, because I agree with what God says here, that makes me okay with God. No, your actions is what makes you okay with God outside of Jesus Christ. Verse 12 says... For as many as have sinned without the law, he's talking about Gentiles who don't know God's law. God's law was given to the Jews. It says, for as many as have sinned without the law shall also perish without the law. Notice, knowledge of God, uh, agreeing with God's standards, understanding his word, understanding what he said, his moral standards. None of that, none of that take, none of that's going to come into play. The Jew, the people who have not had God's law, like we talked about last week in chapter one, will, will perish, not because they didn't have God's law, but because of their sin. You understand? Y'all look at me like, okay, I don't know. 
Everybody got me? No, y'all don't know. Nobody want, huh? People go to hell for their sin. Plain and simple. What they do and what they don't do. Okay? Intentions, what I desire, you know, I, I really want to do good and I want to change and I want to... None of that... Ta- if, if we take Christ and the cross out of the picture now, remember, I'm talking about without salvation in Christ. If we're going to just do it on our own, we're going to try to be good, we're going to try to live, you know, morally, we're going to try to do what God wants us to do and be in right relationship with Him, then God is going to judge us on we, what we actually did and didn't do. It says, for those without the law are going to be judged by their sin without the law. And then verse 13 says, for not, listen, for not the hearers of the law are just before God. Just means right before God, like justified, they're forgiven, they're in right relationship. But the doers of the law shall be justified. Okay, you understand? So God is going to judge you and me without Christ. If we're talking about without salvation in Christ, he's going to judge by what you actually did. Not what, not what you wanted to do, not what you thought you should have done, not mistakes. Well, I, I kind of messed up right there and I wish I would have done better. He's going to judge you on what you actually did. And it says, For when the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves. I say that ten times real fast. <laughs> uh, what you got to understand, the reason he's talking about people without the law and people with the law, you got to understand that there's in the Jewish mind there's two kinds of people there are Jews and there's Gentiles and Jews in their minds they are the religious people that have relationship with God that honor the true God they are the ones who are moral they're the ones who are right they're the ones who understand what God wants and understand how to worship God and everybody else is over here in their pagan temples just worshiping whoever they want to or going after sin or going after everything so what he's telling these religious people and basically that's the difference is religious people and non-religious people and he's saying you religious people you you let's put it in our context you religious people you church people okay you know God's law you know God says this is right this is wrong right but that's not going to help you when God judges because he's not going to judge you based on what I know is right and wrong. He's going to judge you based on what you actually did. Okay, so for example, all you guys are religious people. I'm a religious people too. It's not a bad thing to be religious. Uh, but let's say God, this guy outside the church, he never comes to church, not a religious person, not anything. He commits adultery. Okay, or murder. Just pick your sin, whatever sin. He commits murder. Let's do murder because it's really bad. Murder, right? And we say, we're in here and we go, man, that dude, you're going to hell. Because God's going to judge you and he's going to, you know. And then, but yet here we are in church. We're serving God, worshiping God. We know about this God. We read his word. We know all about him. But yet we harbor hate in our heart for our neighbor. Okay, see what I mean? We are judging that person based on God's standard, 
but we're doing the exact same thing that he did. See what I mean? Make sense? So what he's saying is he's saying he's doing Jew and Gentile, which really wouldn't make any sense to us. But what he's trying to get across is religious or non-religious, good person, good person or not good person. God's going to judge you by your actions. And if your actions are not absolutely perfect, then it's condemnation and damnation. Does that make sense? So see, he's given us bad news. He's given us, he's given us the fact that right now the human race is in peril. And they're in danger that they don't know anything about, most of them. And God's wrath is coming for all mankind who have done evil. If you've ever, I mean, think about it this way, and I've most of y'all have heard me do this before with kid, with youth. Is like if you've ever, if you've ever told a lie, that makes you a liar. Most of us have told more than one. If you say you hadn't, then you can just add that one to the list. <laughs> that makes you a liar. God said, "No, the lying lip, no liar will enter the kingdom of heaven." He said, if you look at another with lust, you've committed adultery. He says, first, second Corinthians, first Corinthians 6, 9 says that no adulterer will enter the kingdom of heaven. Um, it says, uh, thou shalt not use the God's name in vain. Have you ever used God's name in vain? Have you ever said God in an unworthy manner? Or have you ever used his name as a cuss word or, or anything like that? If you've ever done that, God said specifically in his word, I will not hold him guiltless who uses my name in vain. And so think about that. All these things we've done, all these things in, in our past we've done already. So when you stand before God and if he judges just on what you've done, not on your intentions, not on what I wanted, not what I desire, just on what I'm done, I've done, he would see me as a lying, adulterous, blasphemous murderer at heart. Now, would that is that kind of person going to go to heaven or are they going to go to hell? You're going to go to hell. Absolutely. So what he's doing is in the chapter one, he was saying, okay, all these pagans are condemned and all the religious people would, would be going, amen. That's right. You go, Paul. But now he turns the corner in chapter two and says, but all you religious people, you're condemned too." He says, because you're doing the same things that he's doing. Okay. He says, verse 17 says, Behold, remember, when he's talking about Jew and Gentile, he's talking about religious, non-religious. Behold, yeah, I know, I know. But that, that, that's the tongue twister and all that. I just, sorry, I got a mint in my mouth. I just explained 13 through 13, 13 through 16. I just explained what it's talking about. Behold, thou art called a Jew and rest... Rest, rest this, rest this, rest in the law and make thy boast of God. And you know his will and you approve the things that are more excellent being instructed out of the law. And you are confident that you, and I'm replacing the thou's, that thou thyself are a guide to the blind, a light of them which in the darkness. He said, you religious man, you're, you're, you know God's will and you know what he wants and you're confident that you're the one that's leading them out of darkness. You're an instructor of the foolish and a teacher of babes and you have the form of knowledge and the truth in the law. It says, when you teach, verse 21, thou, thou therefore when, which teachest another, don't you teach yourself? You that preachest a man should not steal, do you steal? 
See what I mean? So if I... How many of y'all... How many of y'all... I'll go ahead and raise my... How many of y'all have ever stole anything in your whole life? I mean, anything. Okay. Y'all that ain't stole nothing, y'all can add that to the lie category. <laughs> says, do you preach? Don't steal, but yet we steal. And we, you know, I mean, you could be as simple as you take something that don't belong to you. That's what a five-year-old. If you take something that don't belong to you, it's stealing. You know, we do that all the time. It says, do you steal? It says, do you, you say if a man should not commit adultery, dost thou commit adultery? You know, and I told you, Jesus said, if you look with lust, bang, adultery. Uh, you that abhor idols, do you commit sacrilege? Have let's put let's let's do it this way. If I was to if I was to take you out and show you a dude in the parking lot bowing down to his Chevrolet truck, you know that sounds really stupid. I know, but just picture it for a minute, you know, uh, or Ford or whatever. I, don't, I get into all that, but. <laughs> If you was to picture this guy, and this, I'm talking about this dude actually worshipped the truck. Like, the truck brings me happiness. You know, the, the tr- just saying it sounds stupid. But you know what I'm talking about. You know, I mean, this is his God. Whatever, he's shining on it. He's cleaning on it. It's just, it brings him joy. He can't live without it. Or if it, you know, if you're a lady, it's be something else. But that's his thing. He, he has idolized that deal and we would say this guy has made an idol out of the truck or whatever but in the same token what i told you last week anything that you have to have in order to be happy is your idol and we make idols out of good things we make idols out of our families we make idols out of our husbands and wives we make idols out of bank accounts, our home, our fun, our our entertainment. You know, we make idols out of all kinds of things. But it really boils down to this. God is supposed to be number one in our life. He's supposed to be God, right? Nothing, nothing takes his place. And I told you this last week as well. How many of you gave God the worship, the praise, the love and adoration that he deserves Every moment since you got out of bed this morning. And if you haven't done that, if you haven't given him everything he deserves as God, worship, love, uh, praise, adoration, if you haven't given him those things, then you have sinned against God. And that's scary because, I mean, if we get right down to it, we're not capable (laughs) I mean, we're just not capable of living the kind of perfect life that God demands. God's a holy God, and He's a perfect God, and no sin can enter into His presence. And if we are to, if we're to trust in anything else other than Christ, then you're going to have to be perfect. Not just perfect from now on, but perfect from since you were born. So the what Paul is doing here is he is he is pushing all the without Christ there is no such thing as right relationship with God. Without Jesus and the cross there is no such thing as peace with God cuz nobody can have it without God, without Jesus's sacrifice, without the perfect sacrifice of the cross. And he's going to explain that to us as we move on. 
But it says, uh, if, you were, if you were a Jewish person, and here's where we'll stop. If you were a Jewish person, you would say, but wait a minute. We have God's promises. He promised us in the Old Testament that he'd take care of us and that he'd watch over us. And we're, we're his people. And we're, you know, we're the ones who, who he worked through all this. That's what a Jew would be saying as he was reading this. But Paul says, verse 25, and we'll just read these last four verses and we're done. It says... Uh, <clears throat> sorry, Circum, for circ, you know, circumcision is the sign of the covenant. You know, I, I really hope I don't have to explain circumcision. You know, explaining circumcision to a youth group is a is a it's something to see. So I would invite y'all to come check that out. At, at, they giggle for about an hour and a half. <laughs> Uh, but God's covenant promise and the sign of His covenant was circumcision. That was what that marked you as one of God's people. And so the Jew right here would be saying, "Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! We're God's people here. You can't be telling us that we're lost because we're God's people. We're the ones that have right relationship with God. We're the ones that have been called all the way since Abraham. We have the sign of the covenant on us. You know, we circumcision. We we have the sign. We are God's people." It says. Verse 25, he says, For circumcision verily profits if you keep the law. But if you, if you be a breaker of the law, your circumcision is made uncircumcision. Therefore, if the uncircumcision keep the righteousness of the law, shall not his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision? That's a lot of circumcisions in two verses, right? But what he's saying is he's saying, look, it only counts if you keep the law. You've got to keep the law. If you don't keep the law, you might as well be one of those pagans out there. Your circumcision doesn't account for nothing. And how that applies to us, because, you know, we're not... Never mind. But how that applies to us is your religion, your observances, your I'm a good person, I go to church, I, I, I sing in the choir, I help the old lady cross the street, I do... All those things count for nothing when it comes to am I in a right relationship with God? Because you can't be. You can't be... Because everything you offer God is tainted with your sin. Think about this for a second. Most of y'all have kids. If, if, if some dude busted in your house and murdered one of your kids, right? Okay, and, and then the police caught him and he's, you know, he, he's go courtroom and going to jail and all this stuff. And this dude walks up to you and wants to make restitution. What would he have to give you to balance the scale as to what he did. Now, I'm not talking. I'm not talking about forgiveness and all that. What I'm talking about is I want to make up for killing your kid. Here's a million dollars. Would that make up for it? What, 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 what about ten million dollars? I killed your kid. Now we're not talking about. Oh, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. We're talking about here. This will make up for it. Here, take my bass boat. Take my house. Take my. What would he give you? What could he give you that would make up? For what? There's nothing. There's nothing. Absolutely nothing. And so when we come to God and we say, God, I helped this lady across the street. That's got to count for something. Or I was a good person. I went to church. Or, or, or I, I helped my family. Or I tried to do good. What we're doing is we're offering God bribes, sinful bribes, so that he would kind of wink at the bad things that we've done. There's nothing a man could do that took one of your family members that could make up for what he did. 
And there's nothing that, you, that we can do as sinners to bribe God into giving us, giving us the perfect standing that we have to have in order to get to heaven. Does that make sense? Y'all with me? So it says... Uh, the point of the whole thing is verse 28. It says, For he is not a Jew, talking about the religious, he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, and not in the letters, talking about the letter of the law, who, whose praise is of God, not of men. He's saying... He's saying your religion, your practice of religion and I'm a, trying to do good and I'm a good person and I'm trying to, it's worthless if it doesn't come from a heart that has been regenerated by the spirit. That's why he says a circumcised heart, which is circumcised by the spirit. You know, that's a weird picture, you know, but it's, it's the spirit cutting away the evil that's in our heart. And then when when your heart is right with God, then you do good. You desire to do good. It's not that, oh, I have to do good in order to get to heaven, but you desire to do good. So the point of chapter 2, and it's, Paul is building a case. Chapter 1, all the pagans, all the evil people, all the idolaters and the, the, the swindlers and the, all, all of them are under God's judgment. And then he turns the corner in chapter 2 and says, Hey, you religious man, you under God's judgment too. And don't think just because I'm religious and I have ceremonies and rituals and I have these things, don't think that that is going to save you. Don't think that that is going to be what you lean on, that God's going to say, okay, he's, he's a pretty good guy. He's a religious guy. That's not going to save you either. And I'll go ahead and I'll go ahead and give you the spoiler for next week. When we start chapter three, the first half of chapter three, he's going to condemn every person on the planet. I mean, he's going to condemn everybody. He's going to say there is none good. And he's going to say not even one. He's going to say there's no one that does righteous. There is no one that keeps God's law. There is no. He's going to go through that in chapter 3. And then at the, at the back, back end of chapter 3, that's where he's going to introduce us to this perfect salvation plan that God has given where we can be forgiven and we can be innocent before God. We can be perfect before Him. We can go to heaven, not because we are so awesome and we're keeping His laws, but because of what Jesus did for us. Does that make sense? So when you read this chapter, it says, God will judge you by your works and He will judge you. If you did good, you go to heaven, eternal life. If you did bad, you go to hell. Make sure you understand that Paul is building his case. And he is getting all the bad news out there. And it's really bad news. And if you read it without understanding the good news, it really, it really, it, it really scares you. And it should be scared. You see what I mean? It should be. You should feel the weight of the fact that if I don't have Christ, if I am without Him, then all is lost and I have no hope whatsoever in this world. You understand? Any questions? Man, y'all are quiet the whole time. Y'all just let me talk 45 minutes and say nothing? All good? Did everybody, did everybody get the thing that I sent? I mean, I know you might not have, might not have had time to read it or whatever, but if, is there, if everybody's getting it? Okay. Well, okay. Well, I'll keep sending it.
All right, well, let's pray, and then we'll go out here to music playing already. Father, we love you, God. I thank you, God, for... Uh, I just thank you for giving us just the understanding of what peril we're in. The bad news is that we have to be perfect in order to be good before you. But, God, we just pray that you would... Um, that you would be with us to uh, understand the, the evil that we are and understand that the goodness that you made us through Jesus Christ. And, and God, when we, when we look at how bad that we are, when we look at how bad that we failed you and continue to fail you, man, it just makes, it just makes the cross that much more beautiful. Because what a big sacrifice He paid just to, just to save us so we can be free. And we don't have to be locked in the prison of sin and condemnation. But You let us out through that cross. And You died to pay for all our sin. And as we continue to look through Romans, God, that's going to be more and more clear that, uh, that our only hope is Jesus. Our only salvation is through Him. And I thank You for that. Be with the service. And we love You in Jesus' name. Amen. Did it get it, Brandy's? You didn't get her number, did you? Sure did. What's her number? Hold on. Yeah, I talked about getting your stuff.